you're listening to The Calling. We've reviewed the importance of spiritual development over the last several weeks, as well as examined some problems and the concerns and, and issues to be aware of, as well as the need for faith and what that really is at its core. And if you want to talk more about your spiritual development or, or you're finding yourself lost or, or just want to talk, or maybe you don't even agree with what I'm saying, shoot me an email, the underscore calling at hotmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to check out previous podcasts and maybe you've missed something or you want to reflect on something that I'm referencing as we move forward, look us up, The Calling. It's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on Google Pods. And if you're having trouble finding it, send me an email and I can send you the link directly. But as we move forward this week, we're going to continue our discussions on spiritual development and start to put the concepts that we've reviewed together as we travel through the book of Galatians. And and Galatians really gives us a good example of the need for faith, the challenges created by bad teaching, as well as the importance of spiritual development. It's also important to know the context of this book. See, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Galatia, which is scattered throughout Asia. Now, that's not today's Asia. This is modern-day Turkey area. And Galatia is more of a people than an actual place. So, Paul begins this, as he does every letter, with his well wishes, but then gets straight to the point. You'll notice that Paul is upset, and rightfully so. After all, he's traveling the world, spreading the teachings of Christ, and then he gets word of some bad teaching going on there in the church of Galatia. They have introduced their own perspective on salvation with an emphasis on law and work. And as we discussed and confirmed last week, salvation is a gift from God through the blood of Jesus. There's nothing we have to do to get it except accept it. That's not what's going on here. And in Paul, in chapter 1, he's, he's, he's mad. And he reiterates that there's only one gospel of Christ. And he goes as far to curse anyone, even angels, that attempt to alter this message. As a result, this reprimand continues. Now let's go ahead and check it out. Starting in verse 6, Paul writes... I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to prevent the gospel of Christ. Now, chapter 1 ends with validating himself with a review of his credentials. And, and although we're not going to read it directly, I want you to go ahead and make a note and pay attention to verse 13 through 17 because it highlights Paul's uh, spiritual development. It kind of gives you a timeline. And I've pointed out in a previous podcast, the Saul to Paul, that Paul was a spiritual man. And even though he was persecuting Christians, he was doing so under the impression that he was serving God. I mean, talk about bad teaching, right? Then when he receives the Holy Spirit on that road to Damascus, and when he has that Jesus Christ intervention, Acts tells us he started to proclaim the word in Damascus and Jerusalem. But here in this letter, Paul provides us a timeline that from when he received the Holy Spirit and the time it took to develop in Christ, as what we call spiritual development. And it took him years. Now, I point that out because there's sometimes this misconception that once you accept Jesus Christ, once you accept the Holy Spirit, there's a switch that's flipped and you are just good to go. I, I was under the same false impression that, you know what, it's just, that's it. It's just that simple. And it's not. Even Paul took time, he took years to develop 
to get to the point where he was able to boldly express and go out into the world and correct those who need to correct it and spread the word of Jesus in a Christ love. So by the time we get to the end of chapter one and into chapter two, he's essentially busted out his resume and reminded everyone who he is, how he came to be, and most importantly, who gave him his authority. And you may be asking, like, why is he doing all this? Why does Paul have to, it's Paul, why does he have to revalidate himself? Because he's getting ready to reference a time when he called out an apostle. Now, I have friends that I would consider modern-day Gentiles as well as modern-day Jewish converts, meaning they've, they've believed in God throughout their life. I also remember leaving and learning and growing in Christ only to retreat to old habits when I would associate with my old friend. And part of that was my spiritual development. I realized that I can't keep doing what I've always done and expect to go further as I walk with Jesus. There were parts of my life that I had to let go. And as I continued to grow, I was able to start to discern those who were walking with Jesus, those who thought they were walking with Jesus, and those who didn't even know who Jesus was. It was through this development, and as I welcomed the Holy Spirit into my life, that I was able to to recognize bad teaching or subject to false teaching. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect in my faith and, uh, and I won't come under attack of bad teaching. I'm just pointing out that we all need this level of trust that we get through our faith in Christ to develop and notice the difference. See, 2020 and the years leading up, they've all given us new barriers to bad teaching, which hinders our spiritual development. Misinformation doesn't just come from the pulpit these days. Christians all over the world have been given a platform to spread the word of God, but at times our platform is used to alter the teachings of Christ as something that makes us feel more comfortable. It's something that makes us conform to the popular demand of the people we're working with or talking to. Or worse, we utilize the message of Christ to serve our will. Now, I bring this up to provide perspective for how Peter ended up on the wrong side of this interaction with Paul. I mean, if we go back to Galatians now, we left off at the beginning of chapter 2 after Paul had communicated some frustration and dropped his credentials. And then he references a time he called out Peter and Anatope, which is in the general area of Syria, for those of you who want to look at a map. Also, please note here that Peter is Cephas, and Cephas is Peter. If I'm not pronouncing that right, forgive me. The, the, the discrepancy here is just a translation in the name. Peter is the Greek word for stone. Cephas is the Aramaic translation. So here in chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 11 through 16. When Cephas came to Anatoch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We, who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. 
so that we too have to put our faith in Christ. That way it may be justified by that faith and not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, take a second, let that sink in. He comes out and says to Peter, what are you doing? Right? We know what this is. We're not saved by our works in the law. We're saved by our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And that doesn't just apply to the Jews. It doesn't just apply to us as non-Gentiles. And he ends it by saying, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. That's what, that, was, that was one of the primary things that Jesus Christ came and did for us. The ultimate sacrifice. And despite all of Peter's qualities and all the good that he's done to proclaim the good news, Peter was a people pleaser. He would give in to the crowd. And he has a record and a track record of doing so. And remember, of all people, Peter was the one who received this vision that God communicated that there is no longer unclean and clean. That the word of God belongs to us all. It's, check it out, Acts chapter 10. However, what has happened now is Peter is, has been conforming to the Jewish Christians who continue to place an emphasis on the law. I think we can all relate to this from a Jewish convert perspective. They believed in Jesus, but generations of teaching is hard to leave behind. So they wanted to bring some of their beliefs and traditions into that message of Christ. I mean, I'm sure we can all relate to this type of transitional change where we attempt to integrate old ways to make the new ways more comfortable and familiar. It's also important to note that until his Jewish friends arrived, Peter was perfectly fine with the Gentiles as they were. And fast forward to 2020, our church today is very similar. I mean, ask yourself, do you act the same with everyone? Or do you have those friends you act differently with? Do you act differently with your church peers or do you do the same with your Gentile peers? Now, I'm not bringing this up to point my finger in shame, but just to show the relevance of how this situation still applies to today. And I'm confident that this applies to all of us in some capacity. It's also important to note here that Paul addresses Peter in front of others. Not to bring him down and ridicule him, but to ensure everyone is on the same page. And this is how Paul's interacted throughout his entire ministry. You know, when he would go in to proclaim the good news, he didn't come in swinging a hammer, you know, with threats and being angry. You know, he wasn't passive aggressive about it. He just went in with the facts. You know, he doesn't blast people. He doesn't get up in arms defensive. He just sticks to those facts and communicates with a Christ's love. I mean, Peter is an OG disciple who spent time with Jesus Christ himself. Confronting someone who learned from Jesus himself took some, you know what? But redirecting Peter back was necessary. And it was equally important to do so in front of the same crowd that held Peter's ear. Which is why it was this encounter that Paul reflects on to validate and instruct the Galatian church that they need to get their act together. See, Jesus died for us because of our imperfection and our inability to hold the law as intended. And we discussed this last week with our faith fundamentals, that this is a gift. And Peter needed to be reminded of this. Peter, the man who learned from Jesus Christ, needed to be reminded of that basic principle of Christ. And we're going to explore law and works next week, but 
we really need this strong spiritual foundation. See, Paul makes it clear that Jesus freed us from the bondage of law, which was the old covenant perspective. But Peter and the Galatians were allowing old way of thinking to integrate into the new change. And this chapped Paul's cheeks. Which is why he addressed it with Peter, which is why he spent most of this letter in Galatia addressing the same message. We are free through Jesus Christ, our faith in him. But unless you develop yourself spiritually, you run the risk of never fully understanding what this means and could be led astray by bad teaching. Unless you take the time to learn, take the time to study the word, you may never fully understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. And what that expectation is for you. I mean, think of it. Have you ever been placed in a situation where you knew what you had to do, but the old habits prevented you from making progress? I mean, it happens to all of us. And it remains an issue in our church today. I mean, it's amazing to think that old customs and accepting that faith is all we need remains an underlying issue. But it's there. But Paul has that boldness about him and and that type of boldness that only the Holy Spirit can provide once you develop it, once you let go and you fully embrace that trust in God. And that's what Paul does. He embraces his spiritual transformation through that faith in Christ and growing, which took years. But after all, he went away to do this. He took the time. And had he not, Paul would not have been able to effectively remind Peter and address the false teaching without this development. Which is why Christians, our spiritual development through faith is so important. Because we're all called to be stewards of the teachings of Jesus Christ, but without developing spiritually, without trusting in God, we'll never be able to intervene when God needs us to. When the Peters of the world conform to the alternative ways, or they attempt to interject old habits, or they attempt to interject their own perspective and altering and manipulating the word, we need to be ready, like Paul was, to interject and boldly remind others of the one truth. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Last week, we needed to be on guard. We, we needed to be all these things. And it's all leaning up to this. We need to be ready. God is calling you to be ready. Will you answer? <laughs>